Well, hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. This is Mission Possible. I'm Sheila Murphy, Chief Mobilizer for Mission to Mobilization. And as you know, we are focused on changing perception for returning citizens. We have 4.5 million ex-offenders living in this country, and we're going to talk to some of them. We're going to share their stories and hear many of the extraordinary ways they are positively impacting our communities. Then later you will hear this week's battle plan by author and life coach encouraging us to live our best life right now, and that is um, none other than Nate Battle. Now, this week's Mission Possible guest is Moses Rustin, and I'm just really excited. I'm always excited about our guest, um, but I'm really excited about his story and the way in which I believe that, um, you know, God has brought him to this place to be able to share how truly remarkable our stories can be when um, we put them in the hands of of God and put them in the hands of um, really great people to help us get to the place that we need to be. And so I'm going to kind of turn it over to Rustin, Mr. Rustin. I call him Mr. I call him a little bit of everything. I call him Mr. Rustin. I call him Moses, but his name is Moses Rustin. And I'm going to have him talk a little bit about his story. And then we're just going to just kind of go back and forth and talk a little bit about some different things that have happened in his life. And so um, without further ado, um, Moses, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Uh, my name is Moses David Rustin. I was born up in a large family, 15 siblings. You know, I was the middle of the child, and I was like a problem child <laughs> to my moms, you know. Born up in a large family of 15 kids, was very poor growing up. And I think, uh, looking back over my life, I think that what gave me uh, of things and want more of uh, uh, materialistic stuff, you know through my life and had me to go out there to sell drugs, use drugs, and, you know, the life and to be incarcerated behind that. Uh, through my incarceration, I was in the federal uh, penitentiary, Lewisburg, Petersburg, and uh, uh, my last term I did, I was in uh, Merle Correction in Hagerstown. Uh, through all my... Um, Peter Fox racing this last time, and I got locked up in 89. I stayed about five years in uh, Hagerstown, and that's when the Lord came to me in my cell, and that's when I had a commitment, and that's when I see Christ at that time. So the whole time I was in for the five years, I just got into God, you know, reading his word, and, and he changed me, and you know, and that time when I came home, you know, I didn't have nothing. Uh, my wife had, uh, I gave her a divorce uh, the whole time I was in. Um, just getting out, not having nothing, just was a, a, a scared point of my life. But one thing I can count on, I had God on my side, and that was all I needed. And uh, just um, getting things back and the purpose that God gave me to motivate me, I never looked back. You know, I just kept my eyes on the Lord, and uh, I have faced a lot of challenge. You know, we do that, you know, and I just kept on keeping on, and, and God just kept on opening doors. And this is where I'm at now to share my story to help a brother or sister 
not to feel that what we've done in life that can crush us or that we can't go on. And, and some of your brothers so crushed and some of your sisters so crushed like they be forgiven what we've done. But God forgave us. So we can open up doors now. We can do anything we can. And one of my favorite scriptures is in uh, Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Jesus Christ to strengthen me. And that what kept me motivated through the whole time I was incarcerated. And, you know, and the thing what God did for me is just like what he did for Job. He gave Job everything back. And he gave my wife back after 20 years divorce. We're back now. And, and my kids and my grandkids. And, and he's given me the fruit that I had missed so many years being out there on the street, you know, hustling and doing the things that, you know, the devil have, had maybe be a, a vessel out there until Christ saved my life. You know, I mean, that is, that, that's awesome. It's just powerful. And, you know, Moses, I, I wanted, I want to ask you something. You know, so many people talk about how when folks are locked up, you know, that they get God. I mean, it's almost, I mean, they say it even sometimes very negatively, like, oh yeah, you know, when this person was locked up, they found the Lord. And, but then, you know, when they get out, they are, you know, they, they lose it. And I want you, can you talk a little bit about that? Maybe, I mean, maybe talk about two things. One, brothers and sisters that you see that do that, you know, that they, you know, seem to be conveniently with God while they're in and how how they're dealing with that. And then when they get out, they're facing different things and how they may turn away from God. And how did you stay with the Lord? Uh, I'm going to tell you two things in, in the true story. Myself, high state I was living in South Jamal This lady was sent by God to witness to me. She was my angel. And when I was on them corners and selling drugs, and matter of fact, I used to go over a house with drugs on me and my pistol on me. She never looked at me as a, a criminal. She looked at me as a child of God. The whole time I was in, this lady was sending me scriptures. And uh, I used to lay my head on the pillow. And I said, this woman is really sent by God. So when I got home, I went to that church, the her church. I stayed there for 20 years at that church. I was a deacon. I was a, a trustee. And I, I just fed off the word. And that what kept me. And one of one thing that kept me, once you renew your mind, you don't want to go to the dark places where I used to be, even with the negative friends. So I, I separate myself. And sometimes you got to separate yourself to a better way, a purpose that you know you need to do. And the other reason I think people don't fly the word, get out, and the reason I'm going to say this, because I had a brother older than me, we was locked up together in Hagestown, and he was a Jehovah Witness. And when I got up there, he said, Moses, I want you to go with me. I want you to be a Jehovah Witness. I said, no, I already know my God. And I didn't do it. We both came home. Now, my brother James, he was going to kingdom when he first came home, and then after that, he stopped going. He fell short. Then I seen him with a lot of old friends that he used to be in the street. Don't you know, after that, my brother went back using heroin. I burned him about maybe five years ago. He had bled out. He had shot so much dope in his body that he didn't have him. Uh, his whole body was torn apart with tracks. That lets you know right there that if you don't have a sincere relationship with the Lord, it's just useless because a lot of times we play. You know, we play that. We say the things that person wants to, you know, we say things that want to, what the person wants to say, you know, and then 
and we get out here, it's a new day. I mean, it's hard out here. It's not no joke, but you got to be real with yourself, and then you got to be real with God, because God knows all things. So yes, yes, yes. that's two things that I can, you know, I can say about that. Yes, yeah, that, that's, that's, I mean, it's sad, but it's good. It's real good. Yes. Talk about the challenges, you know, because you said it's hard out there, it's hard out here. Okay. And, you know, over those 20 years when you were at that church, you know, you were applying the word, but also I'm sure you were dealing with some things on the okay. outside. Talk about what are some of the things that you faced. Okay, face to coming home. Now, you know, uh, when you come home, I ain't had nothing but the clothes on my back. And one thing, I think that it gives you the fear of challenges. Uh, jobless, you know, uh, my mother lived in a senior citizen at the time. Uh, I ain't had nowhere to go because I maxed out on my, uh, on my stuff health house. I went to her, uh, senior citizen place, her and my father. I slept on the sofa. I go out every day looking for a job. I walk. I was living up in College Park, Merwin. I was always looking for a job, warehouse jobs, any kind of jobs. And then, you know, you feel defeated because they tell you, no, we're not hiring. Come back in, trying to keep insanity, you know, it's hard. But, you know, with God, you know, all things is possible. So one day, I go over to PG Hospital and I put an application in. The one thing about being a, a child of God, God told us to be truthful and honest. And I told the lady, I just want to start. I just want to change. I just want to need a, a fresh start. I need a job. I've been incarcerated. And I let her know if I have to uh, speak about it. I'll uh, speak about it at the application, at the interview. So she said, I'm going to take your application. So she said, I'm going to see what I can do. So I kept calling every Friday. And uh, she said, no, we haven't made no uh, choice yet about the uh, applicant in the position. So one day she called me about three weeks later and said, oh, we got a part-time in laundry. And that's where I started at. Wow. I started at the hospital in the laundry working $5 an hour. Mm. And then after that, God had opened the door when I took up a, uh, in Hagerstown, I took up a computer class. And you never know what <laughs> things that you do that you need when you come out here. Because when I came out, it was just for computers at that time. Right. And God laid on my heart to take that class up. So when I went, I was working in laundry, and the laundry, we got laid off, and I went to environmental service. So then I started scrubbing floors. This is what God can do for you. you Humble you down. I remember I said, I used to have all kind of money, but I'm scrubbing floors all around the yard. And all my buddies might come in there and say, no, I'm remember I'm you get money. Now you're here scrubbing floors. I said, man, but I'm free. Mm -hmm. I ain't back in the penitentiary. Wow. So... The human that God had for you. So look here, then I go from from working in the line, I work in medical records. I work in medical records as a health specialist. And then I went from health specialist, I went from there to run a, a doctor, Paul, she's a trauma surgeon, went and ran an office for five years as an office manager. So all these things I'm saying is that God elevates you as you go and be humble and be a servant. And now I'm in pharmacy. And what's the strangest thing? I got laid off about two years ago in medical records as the health specialist from the hospital. I'm, I'm still working. And I got laid off. God opened up a door that I worked in pharmacy. And guess what I'm doing in pharmacy? <laughs> the same thing. I'm taking mess around for kids sitting all 
morphine, all the drugs I used to sell out the street. Now I'm taking the drugs around the hospital to heal kids. Wow. And that's not for God. Oh, my goodness. And I share with brothers. <laughs> I share with brothers, man. There's nothing too hard for God. That's right. But what I'm saying to, to the listeners that we have the challenge when they come home. Society don't put a roadblock that you can't do this, you can't do that. But we can do anything we set our mind to if we don't lose hope. And that's the key. We know there'll be some rough times. I remember times I ain't had number two quarters in my pocket or might didn't have no quarters. But God made a way. Mm. And that's why I'm saying to y'all today, God will make a way mm. through what we go through, the challenge. Wow. I mean that 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 is I mean that's that's amazing that is amazing I I mean yes I mean all the way full circle and then you were able actually to to give back in the right way and he showed you you know how that he could do that if you just trust him and and humble yourself and the other thing that I I'm hearing in your story which I had not heard before you know is how you continue not to give up but then also applying yourself, taking classes, you know, learning things and trusting that in combination with you trusting God, you are also learning so that you could educate yourself to improve where you were. And so, it, you know, I talk about this a lot, looking at faith and works. Uh You know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. So it's not enough just for us to pray only. It is not, uh, I don't think it's right or enough for us just to work, work and say that we can do it ourselves, that work piece only. But you have to do the combination of the two, putting your faith in concert with your work, then God will give you the, the outcome. Yeah, that, that is, uh, that's powerful. That is really powerful. And, you know, one of the other things that you mentioned about coming out and, and the roadblocks. That's the word that kind of stuck out to me. There are what I call invisible bars in our community for uh-huh. returning citizens. Once they get out, they are dealing with a number of roadblocks. Those roadblocks really are, are like invisible bars that we cannot necessarily see. True. Can you talk a little bit about what some of those roadblocks or invisible bars are? I think uh, the, the roadblocks, I think, <laughs> uh, we, we see it on the news every day, the injustice of, 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 of this society we live in now. I think one of the roadblocks is if, if, if I did my time and I come home, I'm still up against trying to find a job. I think that's one of our major concerns now. We, we're always... We're always convicted. We, we served that time, but we still got that conviction on us that we are offenders. And okay. I think if we can let society know, just give us a, a fresh start, give us a, a chance, they'll use that on the application. I remember, I know in Baltimore, they took the block or you've been incarcerated and on the application. Don't use that against us as we come out. You know, give us a chance. Yeah. Like the next person. Exactly. Exactly. You know. So right. So right. I uh, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm thinking about that lady that you know helped you when um and gave you those scriptures and then you started going to her church 
after you were released. Uh, I, I, I want you to, to speak to the churches. I use this platform for a number of reasons. One, I want to share positive stories, let people know that the mission is possible once returning citizens get back into our communities. I want employers to hear positive ways that they can impact the lives of returning citizens and their families. And I want the church to to also hear uh, the ways in which they can support. And so can you talk a little bit about maybe to that lady and then uh, to the all the ladies and men that are out in the community like her that we need to help support? I thank God for Ma Jameson because she, <laughs> this woman, <laughs> she's my heart. She started off with a van. She got to feed the homeless. And way back then, she 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 had a, she did the work for God as doing outreach. This woman used to come and pull me out of uh, all joints. I mean, this woman, <laughs> this woman, uh, she had a love of Christ on her, man. Uh, I think with people like that, even myself now, would God give me what I need to go back to neighborhoods to witness? We need people like that because when a person can see the real you, I mean, you know, you got pastors in the pulpit and you got people in church wearing little suits on and every every Sunday. But if you ain't been there, it's hard to relate to people out there. Okay. So God used us to go back out in vineyards to witness to them brothers and sisters, man. That you know, yeah, I feel you, brother. I've been there. Right. Ain't know that language are where you talk. And they can see so many brothers and sisters I led to the Lord, so many brothers and sisters I got into drug program because the fact that they seen the real me, but seen Christ too. Hmm. Okay. So I think every church need a, a real good solid outreach. And because a lot of people ain't gonna come to church. Okay. A lot of hurting people out there. Okay. And we gotta go out there and get them. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's good. That's, that's, that's good. Thank you. Um, before we prepare to wrap up, I want you just to touch upon your, you reconciling with your wife. I mean, after all those years, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> that, that was is rough. That was rough okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let, let's just talk about that for a minute. Okay. Okay. You know, my wife was a sweetheart. I met her when she was 16, right? <laughs> But the life I live, man, she's got tired. You know, you can wear out her pair of shoes, right? I guess she was just tired. <laughs> so when I was last bit, she wrote me. She said, I want a divorce. I said, okay. You know, I ain't going to have no problem because I know I haven't been a good husband. I gave a guy a pack of cigarettes when I was locked up to do the divorce for me, write the papers up. So when I came home in 92, I went up up a Marlboro. I had to take my daughter, my oldest daughter with me for a witness. But now, 92. I don't have no wife no more. I'm divorced and everything like that. But I think as I went on, when I came home, she seen the difference in me. So I used to go to my daughter's house. She said, you know, dad came through here. Dad doing good. So I guess my wife seen the, the change. So I called her one day, and she was living with a guy. Matter of fact, at the time, I said, can I? Well, we just talk. So we went out, and we talked, you know. And she seen how it changed because, you know, it wasn't the old mode, you know, it was new. Okay. <laughs> it was the new mode, you know what I'm saying? Right. So she seemed to change, right? New and improved. So started, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we started dating and everything. So my little brother's going to get married. And so I say, why don't you let me escort you to the wedding? I say, the family haven't seen you in 20 years, right? Okay. I said, that'd be good. You know, my mom and dad were still living at the time. 
And she said, yeah. So we went to the wedding. Everybody, you know, glad to see us together, man, after all them years. So, you know, after then, we started talking. And then we got married. We married at my, my pastor. We married me in 95. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, yeah, that's that's beautiful. And congratulations. I know it's been a, a while, but thank you know, thank God that um you yeah. were able to, to do that and it's it's a it's a wonderful uh example of restoration that can happen oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. in, in life and through the challenges that you face. It's beautiful. Finally, I just want to just give you one final opportunity to share, you know, something with our communities. You have said so much, and this has just been a, an awesome conversation and interview time. Uh, so I would like, you know, if there's one thing that you could say to maybe the naysayers or the, those that aren't convinced that returning citizens can change and can be model citizens and contributing to our community, please say something to them as we prepare to wrap up. Okay. You know, what I could say, and the whole thing it is with society out here now, they got to think that they brand us as you being ex-offender, drug user. I've been clean now for almost 25 years off of heroin. If you look at me now and look at me 25 years ago, you know the new me. If a person gets to see you after all you went through, and the reason I'm going to say this because I'm looking at what I've seen on TV about the brothers in New York and Harlem, all that they went through and being falsely accused, it hurts me that society, even some of the people that persecute them, never think they did nothing wrong. And if God can forgive us, why that society can't forgive us and let us go on with our lives, give us the tools that we need. We need more jobs. We need more trades. And I think if brothers can see that what you saying, Sister Murphy, when you back in slavery time, that it's a modern-day slavery now in the prison system. If we can go to school, we can go take a trade. We don't have to fall in that trick like I did. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. That we can take our rightful place as a husband, as a, a man, you know, to do what we have to do for our family. And I think it takes the whole community, the churches, to get involved with the whole penal system because I think that if a person coming home don't have the, the support, I mean support of getting their ID, a place to stay, just anything like that, they go right back to the norm that they know what they used to doing. And that's the key right there. That's it. That's it. That is, that's it. Thank you. I mean, what uh, an awesome way to wrap up this week's call. I just want to thank you so much, Mo. Now I can call you Mo. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, just a remarkable story and, uh, and testimony for what only, I believe, God and your diligence, your perseverance, and your belief that um, you can through Christ, you can accomplish and that you can do all things and you have. Yes, and so, yes, yes, and so yes. thank you. Thank you so much for. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope I can be in a lighting to your brother, sister, going through because you need, we need one another. You say iron shop and iron. We definitely need that's, one another. That's right. That's right. 
So we're going to wrap up this week's interview with Brother Moses, and we're going to, in just a moment, we're going to go to our battle plan this week with author Nate Battle, and we'll look for opportunities for us to further expand the work that we're doing. Mission to Mobilization is helping to change perception change the way the nation sees returning citizens in this country. And the purpose of this podcast is to recognize that the mission is possible. And so with our Buy for Returning Citizen campaign, our experience simulation, and our Free Families curriculum, that work is helping to do just that. So in a moment, I'll take you to Nate Battle, and we'll prepare for our final Mission Possible word. Hey human, Coach Nate here with today's battle plan. It was Arthur Colster who said, Courage is never to let your actions be influenced by your fears. How many times have we let our fears inhibit, prevent us from taking action, taking steps? Fear of it won't work out. Fear of what will happen if we get rejected negative things that occur by our, our, our attempts to try to do what it is that we're, we're seeking to accomplish, achieve, make happen. What, what he's saying here is you've got to separate the two in, in never letting your, your fears, because a, a fear is a predisposition in many ways of how you think things are going to uh, turn out or unfold. And many times, nothing could be further from the truth. How many times have you feared something and it never came to pass? The other part of that is sometimes we fear going outside our comfort zone, doing something that's different. Most times, advancement, development, growth, achievement is on the other side of fear. It's facing that fear and walking through it. The upside is it builds confidence. Even if you get rejected, now you know what that experience is like. Now you no longer have to fear it. You lived through it. It didn't kill you. It didn't take away your ability, your knowledge, your skills. It strengthened you. So when facing your fears, sometimes you have to look at those as weights in a gym. They're dumb. They call them dumbbells. They serve a purpose. Fear can serve a purpose in your life in helping strengthen you. That's the way you should look at it, not prevent you from doing what it is that you need to accomplish what you know your gift is. For today's battle plan, Coach Nate here. Live your best life on purpose now. Time served. The phrase used to indicate the convicted person has served whatever amount of time given to them as penalty for their crime. This is what we're calling for. Once the inmate has been released from incarceration, once they are back home, they should not be expected to serve a life sentence in our communities. Release them to heal, be loved, and be restored to life. This show is highlighting the stories of victorious warriors winning battles every day in the midst of collateral consequences and invisible bars in our community. Changing perception erases those bars and opens tangible opportunities for true freedom in employment, education, housing, and relationships, making the mission possible. You can help. Change the way you think about returning citizens. 
Stop believing all the negative things you hear in the media. Look at some of your own mistakes. Then consider how you want others to be gracious with you. Your words matter. Whether you're speaking them in private or publicly, they have power. The proverb for this week says, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's what you and I will do. Speak life, live graciously, and be a part of this change. This is Mission Possible, and I'm Sheila Murphy. Visit missiontomobilization.com for more information about our work, and visit natebattle.com for today's battle plan. Until next time, create your battle plan and make your mission possible. Mission Possible.